Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. A flower bending in the breeze Bend with me, swim with ease When you dance you have a way with me Stay with me, swim with me More B-Show with Bob Valvano is now Right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7 Alright, we do have some sponsored things That we are delighted to include But we have to include them And so, Zach... Osterman joining us at two fifteen, and then is somebody else joining us too? No, no, no. Just uh, we gotta do a, a big league haircuts, V steaks this hour, and uh, intern Max and myself put together a hit or myth. Okay, do you? We'd like that. Is, is does he have to be part of it, or can you do it now? Can no, you do that now. Well, we could do the hit or myth because here's now. what um, we could say that if you want. I just it's it's impossible to do a V steaks that quickly. I mean, to get it done by two fifteen, I have to get the field, the horses, and then get entries. That's crazy. So we should do that in the back end. Okay. Well, I do have some uh, V show uh, Twitter polls. It is V show Twitter poll Tuesday, after all. I also have some news that I would like to share. Um, let's see here. All right. Well, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go? First? Well, I just, I you know, I'll be honest with you. We got we get such great support from the Louisville Bats, and Greg Galliette's become both both a really valued professional colleague and personal friend. He's helped us with Kentucky and Friends of Eve raising money to fight against cancer, and he's become we've played golf together, and he's just he's really a wonderful guy. And of course, our own Nick Kern works for the Bats as well as uh, does the the games and has the Sunday morning hangover. And so there's a real close tie between ourselves and the bats. And so uh, I do, I'd really, to be quite candid, didn't need to do this because they, they take care of us. They send us media passes whenever we want and stuff like that. But I bought, I did, I purchased, I gave them money for the Buddy Bat five-game special. Oh, nice. And, uh, and so um, I was talking to Greg after, I, you know, not like I wanted pats on the back, but I wanted him to know I did it just as appreciation for – uh, for what uh, they've done for us. And he said, graciously, you don't have to do that, blah, blah, blah. But it's called Buddy's Best Five. And so as we were talking, I found, here's what, it's 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 improving to be incredibly popular. So if you're interested, I would take advantage of it. And it's a really great value. And this is not a sponsored thing here. I'm just telling you the truth. Because I was looking, I was like, you know, that really looks cool. So you get five, the five biggest games in 2024 with a whole bunch of other things, you get you get um, you get tickets to the opening night game with Dollar Beer Night, March 29th. Then this is the one that's 
driving people over the end. Uh, June 1st is Muhammad Ali night, and they have the coolest Muhammad Ali bobblehead you've ever seen. Oh, nice. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then on, May, uh, April, on um, June 15th is Marvel uh, Defenders of the Diamond. Then July 3rd is the Indi- Independence Day celebration. And then uh, August 10th is the post-game drone show. For the first time, they're doing a drone show. Oh, very nice. Yeah, that's really cool. No, that's going to be very cool. If that weren't enough, and God knows it is, if the Bats win at least three of the five games, you'll get a free game added to your plan. So it's like going to miniature golf and making a hole-in-one with the right colored ball. You get a free game uh, if you do that. So that's very cool. Plus, you get... An Ellie Dela Cruz bobblehead. Nice. A strong. Muhammad Ali bobblehead. Strong. And then a free bats hat. And then there's a couple of other, you know, invitation only events that the, the season ticket holders uh, get. And Greg was telling me that not only are they proven very popular here and they are selling them like crazy, and I picked some great seats. With three rows off the field, I got the aisle seat, aisle and second one in. Nice. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward. But, um, Maybe it'll be my year to get a foul ball. Still looking for my first foul ball ever. Um, he said they are getting orders from around the country just because people want the Ali and De La Cruz bobbleheads. People are buying the ticket plans just to get the bobbleheads because it's really quite affordable. I mean, it's like, I don't know, 80 bucks or something, which is really cheap for five games, maybe six games if they win three of the five of them. And then you get the two bobbleheads to boot so and a hat. So uh, that's strong. Yeah, I'm telling you, you, they, pick, you pick some good ones. Yeah, no, that's a good one. So I'm looking forward to that. So, so. two bobbles, you get two bobbles, a hat, and a drone. Five show. games, a drone show, uh, and you also, if they win three of the five, you'll get tickets to another game, and you get the Independence Day celebration there. They do the big fireworks. oh the fireworks, yeah. great, yeah. So very very cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, plus they have some other things as well. I think you can. Uh, there's other there's other. Uh, very cool uh, aspects of it, but uh, those are those are five of their biggest nights, and I'm in. <laughs> if you're nice, I'll take you once or twice, maybe. I don't know. And not Jamie. Eh, I plan to take him to all the other games. <laughs> the one game you get, then I'll take him to the other four. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I want Jamie to go to. I like. I like. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So that should be a lot of fun. So check it out, though. If you go to batsbaseball.com, like I said, they are sponsors of ours, but this is not a sponsored thing. This is just I was I was looking. I was like, you know, they've been so good to me. I'm going to think I'm going to. I want to feel like a season ticket holder and buy a ticket and reserve a seat. And and then I was like, that is an unbelievable deal. It says our best ticket package yet. We think so. Five biggest games with exclusive benefits. That is quite a deal. Again, if you're not familiar with it, you get uh, all these things. You get uh, uh, tickets to the five biggest games of the year. Opening night, March 29th. Hope it's not too cold. And then Muhammad Ali night, my, uh, June 1st, which is. There's pictures of the bobbleheads on the website, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah, very cool. Uh, the Marvel Defenders of the Diamond on June 15th. The Independence Day, July 3rd. They have a fireworks show. And then I'm looking forward to the August 10th one because it's a drone show. That's That'd be cool. I've never seen a drone show in person. Uh, so. I saw one at uh, Thunder. It's very cool. It's that, very, very cool. That looks fun. So that's the first time they've ever done that. And then if they win three out of the five, so now you'll have a rooting interest there. I'm digging that. If they win three of the five games... You get tickets to another game, an added game. How great yeah, is that? Yeah, that's a pretty cool Plus, little you get addition. Ellie Dela Cruz and Muhammad Ali bobbleheads and a free Bats hat. So I think that's a pretty damned good package there. So check it out. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Um, 
and you know, I am, I, I am just a, a bobblehead fan now that I'm. And by the way, so what, what was the story behind that? For those of you who don't know, and you may not want to know, but you're going to be stuck with it. Ants gave me a wonderful, wonderfully thoughtful Christmas present, which was right. I'm, it made me a member of like the Hall of Fame board yeah, for the bobbleheads. For, for the bo- yeah, the national. Which makes you wonder how many people are on this board. Like if they call a board meeting, what do they have in the third deck at Yankee Stadium? I, mean, I don't know how that, <laughs> sure that happens, but uh, uh, you know. But still, that's very cool. But then he was supposed to drop something. What happened? Why didn't I get my card or something? I uh, was- it was accidentally like he. It, it's in his name, so Entz is in, on the board right now. And oh, so, sure. So that was his gift. Was he put himself on the board? You know what I'm going to do? You know, for his birthday, I'm going to think I'm going to buy him a new sand wedge because I could use that. <laughs> so maybe he'll. No, maybe so he's, he'll enjoy so he's that. trying to get that fixed. Yeah, but, yeah. Sure he is. Yeah, I made a nice bolognese yesterday. I saw the picture. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Uh, I had some Bet Rivers Twitter or uh, some. Yeah, wait, what, what, that Bet was Rivers like, Twitter polls you were doing? Did you see that truck go by? No. Like it was a, like the reflection bounced off. It hit me right in the eyes. It was like a solar solar flare from <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> so V Show Twitter polls um, yesterday we put up. What was the biggest uh, Kentucky much ado about nothing? And the four choices were Top Golf. The legalization of CBD, building the new bridges, or getting sports betting legalized. And the winner? And the winner, by majority, was... Wow, majority, not plurality? No, was uh, was Topgolf at 54% of the vote. Wow. Almost as much as Trump had last maybe, night in Iowa. Maybe a recency maybe bias there, because that was the most recent debate we've had. I know. Uh, well, no, one, not necessarily. Sports betting was the most recent, so that was dumb. But, but then I said that. sports betting came in second with 20%. I, you know, kind of thought that my vote was actually building the new bridges because that just took so. Oh, that we we've been in town twenty six oh. years, and they were talking about when we first moved here, and it it went for twenty plus years of, of nothingness. Yeah. So and then that stupid thing with the house that they to try and prevent it, they declared oh that house God, a national was... landmark, and they said, okay, we'll dig under the house. Now the state got stuck with this house that they don't want, that nobody wants. Just all of it was just very. Strange. It was a cluster buck. It was definitely it was. a cluster buck. Um, I also tried to predict the. Um, the uh, NFL games yesterday um, with the signature food from oh, yeah. each city. Um, Buffalo and uh, Pittsburgh were wings versus pierogies. Wings won easily. Wings won pretty handily. And they won the game. 80, they won uh, the, the poll 87 to 13. And they won the game last night as well, screwing up my parlay and uh, covering. Why didn't you follow your food poll? You're, I, you're the one who set it up. Well, I, I, I made the bet before the food poll. So um, I also did uh, uh, Tampa Bay and uh, Philly. And the grouper sandwich, I got uh, an answer uh, from Mark Ennis. I can't believe uh, people voted for that. Most people never even heard of it. The grouper sandwich, the photo I have, it looks absolutely dynamite. Fresh grouper sandwich against the Philly cheesesteak. No oh, surprise. Philly cheesesteak won, let me guess, 76% of the vote. Close. 63% of the vote to the grouper sandwich is 37%. Right, so that was, that was a loss for the food. So a loss for the food there. But So one and one last night okay. in, uh, in the food polls. I also have an NFL poll going today. Um, but we will get to that um, in Hit or Myth. That is currently at 50-50. Oh, nice. However, those are my favorite ones. When you can find those, it means you really, I, you've dialed into your 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 listeners, their, their indecision. I want to call a little bit of BS, though. Maybe I, this'll, maybe sure. I should take a little bit of my steam and anger and vitriol and venom um, against the cookout franchise for their stupid Twitter poll. What'd they do? That, well, it was... It's recent or old? This is about a year and a half old or so. Okay. 
um, they had a, they did like a tournament to determine where they were going to build their next location. And it came down to Tallahassee, Florida, and Louisville, Kentucky. Did we win? And I mean, myself, a lot of media members were galvanizing everybody, and it turned into a knockdown dragout okay. of epic proportions. There was like one other, I think it was like, um, like uh, Wilmington, like South Carolina or something like that, um, was also on, on the poll, and it got like none of the votes. It just turned into a two-horse race. Okay. And as it was finalizing, Louisville had the win, like 49% to Tallahassee's like 47%, okay. 48%. And then as the results, it said final results on it, and then I refreshed it, and suddenly the results changed, and Tallahassee won. And I was livid. livid. Maybe they got a whole bunch of votes at the last minute. Yeah, it, it, it had already, there was already a post that said final results. And Louisville was winning. And then I refreshed it, and all of a sudden, um, Cookout was going to Tallahassee, and they've been dead to me ever since. So why didn't you try and overthrow the government? Oh, too I soon? tried. Well, there wasn't, too soon? There, I, there wasn't a capital for me to for, for me to storm, but best believe, your ass, you know, my ass would have been there with bells on and zip ties. I was, I was oh, man, pissed off. Man, that is so... You know, the joke was inappropriate, and then you following, doubling down on it was completely inappropriate. But maybe my anger towards them isn't totally fair. Okay, why is Because it? my poll right now is 50-50. Right. However, the total number of votes is 121. So it can't really be 50-50. No, true. So I don't know how to address that. Elon needs to get his ass in gear. Why don't you join that new one? I got in the last two days, I've got a whole bunch of people telling me to go join, uh, what's it called? Yeah, threads. I, I got enough social media. I don't want any more. Yeah, but you get on threads and you get off X. No, That's I, the whole point. I, I can't. I, I need this for my job. And enough people are still on X. You know, I got you know more followers on there and everything. I just, I, I just can't. Jeanette made me sign up for Instagram, which I'm not thrilled about. But um, she made you. What yeah. kind of a man are you? Stand up I'm to not, your woman. Mm, <laughs> no, I'm a pansy. Um, but no, she wanted it because that's she's not on Twitter, and so she wanted something to show me funny videos on. So she was like, "I see funny videos, and I can't share them with you." So I was like, "Fine." True. Reactivated Fair. my Instagram. So. Fair. There we go. <sighs> Say lovey. Sest lavai. That's how it's spelled. Right. Sorry, Sest, I, was, I was mid-yawn. Sest lavai. No, I saw it. Believe me, anybody kid you. Yeah, that was bad yawn. All right, I'm going to call Zach Osterman with a little IU Purdue preview tonight. All right, sounds like a plan. So we'll do that in just a, a moment here. As uh, Texter said this, I didn't realize this. The first East End Bridge proposal was in 1948. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, we didn't exactly hastily hastily rush into that, did we? Wow, that's unbelievable. Yikes. That's amazing there. Uh, Some other things. This goes way back, I guess, from when Fred was in here. Do you know if Sam Bowie's still involved in harness racing? I don't know. I know he he had a whole bunch of harness horses for a while. I don't know if Sam Bowie's still involved in harness racing. Uh I, I don't know. I, I mean, my guess is you already did this, but I'll look on the internet and see if it says anything. But yeah, I mean, he had a big stable of harness horses for a while. He was very, he was like on a, a board and things like that. Um, and it says he's still invo- involved in harness racing. Good for him. 
Very nice. Uh, Zach Osterman going to join us here in just a matter of moments. He covers IU athletics for the Indy Star, and uh, and here he is. And, I'm, and by the way, and I never noticed this before reading your your your, your um, short bio on the artist formerly known as Twitter. It says Publix Ultra. What does that mean? You're a diehard a Publix fan, or what is? Or is there some sort of a? Is that a, uh, yeah, a that's pretty much what it means. I grew up in Atlanta. And, uh, it's, it's fair to say I raised myself on uh, public subs. Well, okay. So, uh, happy to hear that. Down there before too long. Don't don't worry. Don't you worry. It's 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 tentatively on the schedule. We just got one. It just opened about four days ago. Yeah. And the line no, for know. the the line out the door for pub subs. The line was out the door for pub subs. The people were. It was like the the, yeah. the world's fair. It was unbelievable. So uh, if you think if you think for one minute that I am going to drive an hour and 45 minutes for a public sandwich like sometime after maybe basketball season ends, and you are absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, hey, you're laughing, but there's two ways to drive from Bloomington to Atlanta, two, two, two relatively efficient routes to drive from Bloomington to Atlanta, and I know exactly where the northernmost Publix on both of them is. So... I got to admit that is commitment there, my friend. I I was impressed. I've been there twice already, and they've only been open for like a week. And I am I am one of those that says I get what the fuss is. I get it. I absolutely do get it. But I don't know yeah. that I drive an hour and forty five minutes. So that's strong. That's very strong. I know I would, and I will. <laughs> at some point. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just throw in like the the Bat Museum or something just to make it worth while. <laughs> I'll tell you why I'll really be there. Well, you know what? Come and sit in for an interview here, and then you can write it off as a business expense you put it on your taxes there we go yeah there we go we'll help you we're we're good that way i want to ask you about the big matchup tonight at uh, purdue and and, uh indiana but before i do that i was really interested in this because i had never thought about this before but you made a case i'm going scrolling back through um a few weeks ago when uh when well right after Kurt Signetti got hired, but that's not really the cause of it. It was just I happened to see that, and I was like, oh, let's go see what he's got to say about that. And then I saw you discussing hiring football coaches, and you made the point that the the if you're it's easier to get hired in the SEC if you're already in. The Big Ten and the SEC, you say, are becoming increasingly distinct, and ADs value working knowledge of that. How, I mean, I didn't see it that way. I saw them as kind of one in one A on the football hierarchy. How are they different, and why is that significant in the hiring process? Well, no, I don't think they're different. I think it's more that they are, and I may have phrased the tweet poorly, I think it's more that... Those two together are increasingly different to everybody else. Okay. And that's the money you're going to have, the resources in a lot of cases, you know, the, the NIL opportunities. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the, the, the SEC or the ACC for the moment anyway. We'll see kind of where things go with the grant of rights. But, the, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten, I'm not trying to pick on the Big 12, but, like, is there a Big 12 school even in the reconstituted Big 12? that right now as things stand is an obvious playoff contender for you, not just maybe to make it, but to genuinely, you know, is, is there a program you can see in the Big 12 winning a national title in the next 10 years? Mm. And the, the flip side is, go to the SEC, obviously there's, what, eight schools, nine schools that have won national titles probably just in the last 30 seasons. Um, the Big 10, not quite as deep, but you've got Michigan, you've got Ohio State, 
Penn State will always be in that conversation. USC is one of the best jobs in the country in the right hands. Oregon and Washington are coming in. These two conferences are just going to look so different, I think, moving forward in, in every aspect, in NIL and revenue sharing, on and on and on, for, you know, frankly, the foreseeable future. And I just think that there are going to be not every AD, but I think a lot of ADs are going to maybe look at, you know, the, this was all prompted by Kane Womack leaving the head job at South Alabama to go be the defensive coordinator for Kalen DeBoer, who obviously he worked with when they were both coordinators at Indiana in 2019. I do think there are going to be ADs that would have, you know, place maybe as much or more value on experience as a coordinator at Alabama as they would head, experience as a head coach in South Alabama. And the other part of it, too, and this is semi-related, and it's, it's a little different, it's, you know, it's kind of six and one half dozen, I suppose. But the other part of it, too, is those G5 jobs are just getting so difficult now because, you know, if, if you're a coach at a South Alabama or, you know, a, a, I don't know, a, maybe a Memphis, certainly, you know, if you want to come up to the MAC, a lot of schools like a Bowling Green or a Miami of Ohio, there's an extent to which you know that you only get kind of so many turns at success until the big schools start poaching all your players and it's really hard to start over in jobs like that because you need more time to develop guys you've got to make, take more chances on maybe unheralded prospects you're not going to have as many as much in the way of nil resources and i just think that especially if you can do what kane womack has done or sean lewis did it when he went from kent state to colorado and now he's got the san diego state head job i, I think there's going to be more coaches that maybe either pass over G5 jobs for big coordinator jobs, which, by the way, still pay as well, or maybe they do a couple years in a G5, have some success, and kind of get out before the portal makes their life so difficult that you start to you start to wear a few losing seasons because the more you do that, suddenly the, you know, the, the less appealing you are. And I think it's easier to hire coordinators now because there's such an expectation that if you're going to make a head coaching change, you've got to hire a guy really quickly so that they're ready for the portal when it opens in early December, and obviously that date might move, but the point is that this is a new expectation as changes have to happen quickly and guys have to be in place quickly, and I'm rambling at this point in this answer, but I just think it's a lot of these, there are a lot of sort of different factors that if you sit down and think about them all at once, they do all kind of, they're all kind of creeks feeding into the same lake, if you understand what I'm saying, um, that really make, I think, a move like this make more career sense for Kane Womack than staying at South Alabama and seeing if he can pile together enough good seasons to get the South Carolina job or, you know, the, the I don't know, the Missouri job or the Arkansas job or whatever. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a different landscape out there now. You know, Zach, Zach Osterman with us here from the Indy Star. It, it's, it's, it, everything you're talking about there is absolutely, at least in my way of thinking, 100% spot on as you as you filter it through the the lens of football, but it's not true for the other sports. And at some point, does it just become so glaringly obvious that football's got to go off on their own? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's the difficulty with this, and, and I've, I've you know, and I'm not hardly the only one, but I've been pretty critical of people who make a lot of the leadership decisions around big time football, and that's that's commissioners, it's presidents and chancellors, it's the TV networks, it's everybody. The problem with that is football pays for everything. So every time we talk about football splitting off, you know, it, it's, it's 
it's great in theory, but there's got to be some way that that money still filters back because ultimately football's paying for everything else. And that, you know, that, that becomes especially tricky when you start talking about conferences getting pared down and media partners, you know, basically encouraging, you know, maybe changes that are destructive to the long-term landscape, like tearing apart the whole Pac-12 or potentially the ACC or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's sort of one of those things where it's like nobody wants this, but everybody's acting in self-interest and everybody, and this is me standing on soapbox at this point, I apologize, but everybody's acting in their own self-interest. Nobody's, you know, nobody is thinking enough of the greater good. And so what we wind up with is a situation where, yes, what's good for football really isn't good for any other sport, probably even, you know, high-level college basketball, men's basketball, and even to some extent, you know, the, the, the very top end of the women's game. The problem is that men's basketball can broadly pay for itself, but it can't pay for everything else in nearly the way that football can. And yet football is kind of what's leading us on what I would argue anyway is a fairly destructive path. And so it's just kind of a... You know, it, it, it sort of feels a little bit like a self-defeating cycle at a certain point right now for college athletics, and I don't know exactly where it ends. I just suspect there's going to come a point where the music does stop, and we're going to look around and we're going to say we've kind of thrown too much of the baby out with the bathwater just in an effort to streamline and maximize football profits. One of the justifications for that constantly being, well, football pays for everything else, so we need to keep trying to find more money. I just I, I worry that at some point, that will become destructive, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, let me backtrack one more question before we go to the basketball. Kalen DeBoer, you, you mentioned, obviously, you had some experience, I would assume, covering him when he was in Indiana. That is an almost unbelievably challenging job to, re- to follow a guy like Nick Saban. Do you think that he is the guy for the job, a guy for the job? How, what, what kind of success do you project for him there? It is really difficult. I mean, it, you know, if we sat here and knocked our heads together for 30 minutes, I don't know how many guys we could find that followed, quote-unquote, the guy. You know, and, and that's, that's, in, in, that's in virtually any job. Right. You know, I mean, we could talk in, in, in college, you know, I mean, not just football, but college sports in general. You follow the legend. Um, it's awfully difficult. And, and it's difficult for a whole host of reasons because there's just an entire sort of, like, infrastructure and cultural foundation that's built up around that coach and the way that coach wants things done and you've got to remove all of that you know i mean it's it's just like you you you've got to either be comfortable and this is where i this is the one area and listen i only spent one year covering kaylin DeBoer, so i don't want to act like i'm you know we're close personal friends or anything but this is the one area where DeBoer may actually fit this particular challenge You've either got to be able to tear all that down and replace it really quickly, which is obviously incredibly difficult because we're talking about stuff that is is not just physical. Some of it's cultural. Some of it's kind of existential. um, And there will be a ton of resistance to it. Or you've got to be comfortable living in that world. You've got to be comfortable sort of saying, hey, you know, that's not the way that maybe I would have done it, but I'm, you know, I can put my pride to one side or I can meet in the middle, I can compromise and I can say, you know, I respect that this worked for you for a very long time. So I'm not just going to throw it all away. I'm not just going to burn it all down, but you've got to, you know, in return, you respect that this worked for me for a very long time. And, you know, obviously DeBoer didn't have necessarily the success of Nick Saban, but he's a guy who's won 
literally anywhere he's been, he's done it the hard way. You feel, especially if you look at the coordinator jobs he took. You know, he wasn't taking plush coordinator jobs where he's being handed a ton of talent relative to the level he was at, and he still affected improvement and success pretty much everywhere. And the one thing that I would say about this Kalen DeBoer that, that, that has stuck with me, you know, even what is it, four or five years after obviously he left Indiana, he is very comfortable in who he is as a coach. And there's a very real sort, there's a very strong sort of, um, just, I don't know, confidence basically in his own process. Mm. And, you know, I, I won't use names, but when Indiana was trying to fill that job after Mike DeBoard retired, Indiana was strongly linked to a couple other candidates for that coordinator job. And one of the hangups seemed to be that Indiana wasn't really prepared to fire any other offensive assistants to allow, you know, whoever the incoming coordinator was to bring you know, two or three of his own, his quote unquote, his own guys. And that was my understanding at the time was that was never a hang up at DeBoer. He was just like, yeah, sure. You know, cause I, and I think, I think his attitude was, I've got my process. I've got my system. I know what works. I can do it with anybody. Obviously he's wound up building some connections there. Nick Sheridan went with him to Washington and is now at Alabama with him, you know, Bill Inge on the defensive side, now Kane Womack. But I just think that, um, I just think that the one thing that might serve him well in that job is I don't think – I think he has a strong sense of who he is as a coach. I think he has a real confidence in his own process and his own ability, and I don't think he will sort of feel the need to chase someone else's legacy, mm. if that makes sense. Now, yeah. That doesn't mean he's going to succeed, but I, I, don't, I don't think that – I don't think he will have a problem coaching in Saban's shadow because I think he will think – I'm only worried about my own shadow. Yeah, if I, you understand. What I'm yeah, saying. no, I think that makes perfect sense. He's, uh, and you could hear it in his comments about how open he was about. You know, he didn't couch his answers when they asked him. Well, how about Coach Saban? He said, "Hey, anytime he wants to come, he's welcome. Open door." And and I was I was intrigued by that because I've seen other guys kind of couch that. You know, with uh, kind of a uh, oh no, listen, you know, he's. Who would who who would not want to you know talk to him, one of the greatest coaches of all time? But never really outwardly saying, "Yeah, come on, anytime he wants to, you know, show up and pop his head in and talk to our players or talk to whoever, he's welcome." And so I was like, "Yeah, this guy's he's confident in his own skin. He's not going to be uh, just as you said, chasing the ghost. He's going to be doing his own thing." So that I think he's got going in his favor. So uh, we'll see. Talking to uh, uh, Zach uh, Osterman here about uh, ostensibly about the game tonight. So let's get to the game tonight. This is one of the really good rivalries in college sports and certainly in college basketball Purdue and Indiana in uh, in Bloomington tonight 10 point favorites are the uh, uh the Boilermakers and with I would say good reason they played pretty well last game uh, Edie went out of his mind he had whatever he had 30 some odd points I guess whatever it was against uh, uh, Penn State um but this team has been you know Indiana hasn't exactly overwhelmed people at home but they've been holding serve at home uh, what what do you make of with the level they're playing at and what kind of game do you anticipate tonight yeah i think it's i mean it's it's funny because on the one hand the thing that's maybe been most surprising about indiana so far especially in the big 10 they're number one according to kim pomeroy and the just defensive efficiency they're number one uh you know in three-point field goal defense and those were two areas that if you watch them against the moorhead states the right states the armies certainly the Auburns and the Yukons, you would have thought, man, this isn't a team that's very connected defensively. They have been better 
in Big Ten play. Some of that is a function of who they've played and when they've played them. Um, in fairness, though, some of the function of, you know, the way those teams have looked offensively has been the fact that they've played Indiana. They have not faced, other than maybe Kansas, and I would argue Purdue's probably a better offensive team than Kansas, they have not faced a team uh, of this caliber, of this quality, mm. offensively. And the kind of turnabout of this is it's, it's a test of how real Indiana is at the defensive end of the floor, kind of especially in the grinder of Big Ten play. But the other thing I'd point out is the only two teams, or the only two games Purdue's lost this season, they've lost because the other team could score with them. Hmm. Northwestern put up 92 in overtime. Um, Nebraska put up 88 in Lincoln. Hmm. If Indiana's going to win this game, they've got to be good on defense, but in the same breath, they have also got to um, be prepared to put together at least a handful of, of their own scoring runs that kind of push this game in a direction that they can control for some portions of it, keep the crowd involved. Um, I just don't see a world where this game is low scoring and Indiana wins. Yeah, that makes sense. I uh, I can understand they're going to have to get their 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 offense in gear a bit. There's no doubt about that. Purdue has been. Um, for their fans, a little bit like the Dallas Cowboys. They've had great regular seasons, and they haven't really put together that monster postseason run that people think they're capable of. Could this be their year? I really like how offensively diverse they are. I mean, that was kind of my biggest issue with Purdue a season ago, and I know that you know they, they could have some shaky defensive performances as well, but, as well, but it, it, the thing it felt like they struggled with the most was – you know, just kind of taking advantage of everything that Edie did for them offensively, and you always worried if they got into a tight game, and I, I nobody expected it to be the one sixteen game, but if they got in a tight game on a neutral floor, an unfamiliar environment, and that you know maybe some shots weren't going down, and they leaned a little too heavily on those freshman guards, would they break? Um, obviously, those freshmen are sophomores now; they are both much improved, and they were already pretty good last year. And then you throw in. You know, Trey Kaufman Wren has improved. I think Camden Hyde and Miles uh, Miles Colvin, you know, kind of provide different dynamics for this Purdue team. You know, I just think I think there's a lot of different ways this team can hurt you compared to a year ago. They have been again going back to you know some of these non some of these Big Ten performances. They, they haven't been great in Big Ten play defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably one area where where Matt Painter would like to to sort of shore some things up. But, man, when you can make shots and you can score in as many different ways as Purdue can, that that papers over a lot of sense. Well, you are right, and that is the way the game is played right now. I'm, t- I'm telling you, the more I watch, the more I realize that's what separates. And, you know, you used to play, Zach, as you know. You had one or two guys. Then it became maybe two or three guys that could shoot. If you had three guys, you were like, wow, that, you know, they got some shooters. Now the best teams have five guys, and that's, the, and that's why it's very hard. Because on any given night, if one of them is off or two of them are off, the other three guys are more than happy to step up, and they're all shooting it, and they're all, they've all got the green light, and they're all letting it fly. And, and so you got a lot more margin for error when, uh, when you got a whole bunch of different guys who can put the ball in the basket, and you're, you're right about that. And it's just, you, you know, the, the – the uh, the basketball equivalent of three yards in a cloud of dust is, is, is long since gone. Is going to be some some offensive fireworks come uh, come March. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, all right, well we got to let you go. So uh, make sure you call us when you come down for Publix, and we will uh, be able to help you write it off as a business expense. So we appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, you, uh, you circle the date. I'll be there. All right, buddy. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is a, he is a. 
digging it. Publix aficionado. There. Yeah, really. Yeah. I, now, now I need to go. Like, if he's willing uh, to drive you think I was making hours. it up? Why did he, I wasn't making it up, man? No, I know, but I mean, like... It, the pub sub. The for, pub sub. For you to you to talk it up and then Zach to say that he's going to drive two hours out of his way. Happy, to an hour it. and 45. Hour but, and 45, no, yeah, but, still. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's no question. You know who else might have enjoyed the Publix sandwiches? No. The champ. Tomorrow would have been Muhammad Ali's 82nd birthday. Oh, well. Did you know that? Happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. You have Super Sky Point. Here's uh, to honor the day of one of the most famous Louisvillians ever. Here's a list of ways to celebrate and remember the legacy of Ali. Uh, visit Ali's childhood home, 3302 Grand Avenue in the West End. You can't go inside, but you can snap a photo of the pink house, which is marked with a bronze historical plaque. You can volunteer, sign up at the Muhammad Ali Center. They're going to pack 40,000 meals on Wednesday. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. uh, To help families in need via Islamic Relief USA. That'll be from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Uh, Also, you can join the mailing list to become among the first to get tickets for Ali the Musical which will be premiering at the Kentucky Center this fall. Ollie huh. the, the Musical, that's interesting. If there's a song in there not called Float Like a Butterfly, Sting Like a Bee, I'm not buying any, buying any Yeah, tickets. that's a good point. I mean, come on, that's, yeah, it's uh, bell time fastball. Can, you can go pay your respects and visit the Champions Monument at Cave Hill Cemetery, where it's hard to believe he's, he's gone since 2016 already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, if, if the staff at the cemetery collect and store the mementos that are left at the gravesite on a weekly basis, so if you leave something there, they're not just chucking it out. So, uh, and then uh, if you want to go online to the uh, Lou Today website, they have written a number of articles on the champ through the years, and they have links to some of their favorite stories. About uh, Ali's life and tributes to him and things like that. So uh, there's that. Um, so there you go. Happy Happy birthday, Chip. Uh, we got to do a a uh, we're going to do a, a hit or myth, but I'll tell my story. Okay. In honor of his birthday, since uh, I won't be here uh, tomorrow. Um, I was ten years old, and uh, my brother's Rutgers team playing not as coaching he's playing for Rutgers in the NIT the entire NIT used to be at the garden the whole tournament was at the the garden and this was the old garden uh not like the one now is that new but we still think of it that way this was this was in the uh, mid 1960s 1967 to be exact and it was the old garden and uh right across the street was, was a hotel and after the game we went to have a little bite to eat with my brother. And he came, just the four of us, my parents, myself, and my brother Jim. And like a lot of hotels in New York at that time, they had like a coffee shop slash diner in the front. And not right in the entranceway, not like as soon as you walked in, but it was, you know, at the main level. It was a big hotel and it was a big area. They had a, a, a dining room of sorts, a, 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 a diner. And I can't say a dining room, it was a diner, a coffee shop. And so we're sitting and eating. And uh, I had had a little book, which I still found. I found the other day. I'll be honest. Darlene was so excited to see this. It made me, I really got 
it was really pleasing to me. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you ever seen it? I've never seen it. I've heard of it. You're an I'll show it to you. It's got ice. Well, I remember going to Met games and the players, I guess they still do this, would come out before the game and stand next to the dugout and they'd sign autographs. And I've got, you know, some Mets um, players and then some other people I'd run in through the years. And, um, um, and so I had it with me because in the garden, the, that, that was a big deal. The NIT was still a big deal at that time. It was kind of on a par with the NCAA. It had kind of fallen a little behind, but not much. And, I mean, in this particular year, in fact, or the year right after it, I guess, Al McGuire turned down a bid to the NCAA to go play in the NIT. So, even God, nobody would do that now. So, anyway, I bring that up because I had the little autograph book with me. And so we're, we're in the restaurant, and, and Ali was training for his upcoming championship bout with a guy named Zora Foley. And so he, I assume, was staying in the hotel also, or he had come in there to meet somebody or get a bite tea. I don't know what the hell he was doing. In there. I think he was staying there. It literally is right across the street from the old garden. And so uh, we, we see it, and, and, I, and I could see, and he comes into the coffee shop, and he walks in, and, you know, I'm a little kid, so I'm like, I'm going to go try and ask him for his autographs. So I get up and walk, and he leaves the restaurant and goes out a, a door that leads to the rooms. So he must have had a room there, I guess. So he went out that door, and he went up to the rooms. And I didn't get him before he went. I didn't think, first of all, I was only 10. I wasn't going to go chase him down a hallway in a hotel. But I was polite enough also to know that's not really appropriate. So I didn't chase him. So I come back to the table, and you could see my mother could see how disappointed I was because I was – I had a chance to get Muhammad Ali's autograph. Wow. So I come back to the table and I sit down. And the way that our table was situated, my mother's seat was directly facing the door that Ali had just gone through to go up to the rooms. So we go back to eating our meal. And I've had quite a week. I mean, these names may not mean anything to you, but Cassie Russell was there. He was playing for the Knicks at the time. I got his autograph. I got Howard Cosell's autograph. I got a guy named Dick Van Arsdale, which Indiana fans would know. He was a terrific player there. He was playing for the Knicks at the time. Um, Red Auerbach, I got his autograph. I mean, it was a pretty big deal. These guys were all obviously there for the tournament, and, and they were all nice enough to sign. Uh, one of my favorite moments was when I Cassie Russell signed, and I told Cassie this later. I actually played golf with Cassie Russell like ten years ago. So think about how many years had passed. And he was coaching at a school in Georgia called the Savannah's College of Art and Design. And so he is. So we're playing golf, and I said, "I got to tell you the story." And he obviously didn't remember this, but I remember it because I was ten, and he was. I mean, he was an All American at Michigan, a great player, and uh, and so. I have my little book, and he was very nice. I asked him, can I get your autograph? And he said, sure, and he signs it to me, and he says, you know, he talks to me like I was 10, which is what you do. He's a little condescending, but not in a mean way. I'm 10 years old, so I'm standing there. But you can visualize me. I'm holding my little book, and he looks down at me, and he says, um, you know, the man behind me is Red Auerbach. He coaches the Boston Celtics. And I say, yeah, I already got his. <laughs> Forget that. So, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got, I got it, dude. I got to run. I got a, I got a bag of popcorn. It's not going to eat itself. So, uh, so I go. <laughs> so anyway, back to the story in the restaurant. <laughs> so my mother's facing the door, and you have to remember, by the way, this is right in the throes of Ali 
pretty much demanding to now be called Muhammad Ali. Not everybody was still calling him that. I mean, there were some people that were, and in fact, he had a fight with a guy named, I think it was Ernie Terrell, who refused to call him Ali. And Ali tortured the poor man. He was dominating the fight and wouldn't knock him out. He would beat him senseless, just the guy's wobbling on his feet, and then Ali would yell at him, what's my name? What's my name? Not the champ's proudest moment, I don't think, but that was, you know, what he did. It's how strongly he felt about it. So that gives you an idea. I mean, I watched him as a 10-year-old beating this man mercilessly and then yelling at him. Keep that in the back of your mind because my mother's now facing the door. And so um, the door opens and there he is again. He's coming back out. And my mother, knowing her 10-year-old really wanted the autograph, gets very excited for her boy, stands up and yells across the restaurant. We're across the restaurant. We're not, like, at the door where she could just say it. Stands up and yells, oh, Cassius! Oh, God. Oh, jeez. I don't know if some of you may remember an old TV commercial for E.F. Hutton where the 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 person, there are two people talking, and, and you know, and the one guy says, that's why I think I'm going to buy. And he says, well, how do you feel? And he said, well, my broker's E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says, and when he says that, everybody in the frame stops what they're doing. If they're, whatever they're doing, if they're in the gym, they stop working out. If they're, whatever, they're shopping, they stop their carts. That's what this was like. People in the entire, get people stopped with food halfway up to their mouths. Waiters stopped, you know, just holding the tray of food. Everyone came to a complete standstill. And he came walking to our table. And I, I'm serious about this. I, my heart problems later in life probably started that day. I literally could see my shirt going back and forth. I mean, I'm 10. I don't know anything. I said, he's going to come over. He's going to throw the table over. He's going he's to pick my mother up and throw her into the hallway. And, and he's going to start taunting her. What's my name? And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm visualizing, you know, next day, the headline in the Daily News, you know, raging Muslim kills Italian family, you know. I mean, it's just – and, and he comes to the table – and he, Knicks win four two. Yeah, Knicks win four two. I mean, Rangers ha- win four two. Habs, Habs beat Rangers four two. Knicks fall. You know, whatever. <laughs> and so he comes to the table, and he's standing over the table, and he looks like he's ten feet tall when you're ten. And I'm telling you, my heart is pounding. And my mother says, "Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. I sh- should have said Muhammad." And he flashed that million no matter that smile he flashed that million dollar smile, and he took my book and he signed it and he gave it back to me. And for the rest of my life. I was a diehard fan because he was gracious and he smiled. And most importantly, he didn't beat my mother up. <laughs> so, but that was, I'll never forget that. Oh, Cassius. Yeah. And just <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah, when you're 10, you don't know. Like, I'm like, what's he going to really do? But he could have ignored us. That's why really, real reason I was so, as I got older and reflected on it, I was so impressed. I mean, he, he didn't, he was, he was a good way across the restaurant. He didn't have to come over. I mean, first of all, she just yelled, and she didn't. She didn't even, say, you know, she didn't even say Mr. Clay. She called him Cassius, like she was, you know, just intimate friends, you know. And then, uh, and then he came over though. He wasn't smiling, but he did come over. But then when he she apologized, he gave her that big smile. And I still have that autograph. I'll be happy. I should write that story and put the picture of the autograph on. You uh, social media. I think people get it, especially especially tomorrow since it's his birthday. Maybe I'll do that. So uh, that was. Uh, that's my interaction with the champ. Very cool. Never never got to tell him about that story later. Although I did. You know, we're not going to get to our thing if I do this other story. That's okay. My my brother, who's a knucklehead in his own delightful way, uh, 
the champ was training in the basement of the garden. Rutgers had practice time that day, so they're up on the court. They get a little break, and Bill Foster, who's their coach, you know, they give him a little break, and the, the guy's all, I don't know how word gets out, word like this happens on teams. Hey, you know, Ali's downstairs. So they all run downstairs in their basketball stuff. They're going to watch the champ, and he's sparring. The night before, i got to tell this out of order, the night before, Angelo Dundee, who is, of course, the champ's trainer, runs into my brother at the hotel. Again, that, that, a, lot, a lot of action at that hotel. And he comes up to him and he says, hey, Paisan, which is nice. It always gives you a link when you're two Italians. And he said, great game the other night. Rutgers had won the night before. And my brother, never at a loss for words, he's never met this man before, says, uh, uh, thanks, Mr. Dundee. By the way, you think there's any chance you know, I could get in a ring a little bit, you know, just uh, spar a couple minutes with the champ? And Dundee says, yeah, 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 no problem. Come down, we'll make it happen. Not a problem. He thinks he's being a, a wise ass like he is. So that next day, I don't know if Dundee tells him or somebody tells him, he's in the middle of sparring, and they're all standing around the outside watching. And all of a sudden, he stops. Ali stops and says, where's that basketball player that thinks he can whoop me? And my brother's eyes get as big as half dollars, and he starts trying to run for the exit. And all his teammates block it. They all stand in the doorway so he can't get out. And now and now Ali's talking spit to him. He's like, look at him. He is so scared. You couldn't melt him and pour him in this ring. That's how afraid he is. And so he is, you see this pinky holds up his hand. I can knock you out with this little pinky. And my brother, motivation, they say, you know, is a, is a great driver of energy, somehow fights off the whole team and gets out. And so he, he gets out. And so the next day, he runs into Dundee again in the lobby. And he says, what the hell did you do that for? He said, what are you talking about? He said, he wasn't kidding. He could knock me out with that little pinky. He said, he wasn't going to hit you. He's not stupid. He said, I had it all set up. I had photographers from the New York Times, the, the Newsweek, Time, Life Magazine. They're all, because they're all there every day with Ali. He said, you'd have, been, you'd have been in every publication in the country. And uh, I said, that's the last time knowingly he turned it down any kind of publicity but you know that's true because we have a picture in our lobby here of ali standing over the beatles yeah right he didn't even really know who they were i remember reading that story oh, really no he was like and frankly he said i'm not posing he said some less than flattering things about them he said i'm not posing with a bunch of long-haired blanks and uh and uh they said no you don't understand these guys are big and he's all right fine so they laid in the ring the four beetles are laying there on their backs and ollie's standing over them like he's knocked them all out but that's the kind and that's what boxing promoters do and dundee was smart about the business so he was like i'm gonna get you know one of the rutgers players in here and uh uh, and and scare the crap out and, of him. Yeah, and little did he know that he wasn't really going to hit him, which is amazing. He must have. Uh, that, I've never seen him run away from anything like that. I mean, he's he's. But he well, I mean, re- it is Ali. I mean, I guess. I, well, it's let, terrifying. Yeah, and if he hits you with a jab, then you know, knock, knock you into next week. Be knocked, knocked into the next uh, next century. So anyway, so that's Ali and I. Uh, so, but anyway, here's the other part. Here's the kicker to that story. So later on, many years later, I have a show on ESPN Radio, and Dun. Dundee is my guest on the phone. He was in the studio. And I said, Mr. Dundee, I got to ask you a question. My brother used to love to tell this story 
about when the champ was training for this, and he stopped me. He said, and he gave me the whole story word for word. He okay, said, that's nice. exactly he how still it remembers happened. remembers it. Oh, nice. now he remember it. It was exactly how it happened. So he didn't exaggerate any of it. So I was like, wow, all right, that was very cool. So I got confirmation that that story I've told for years actually happened. So never a dull moment with uh, Uncle Jim Ali. Well, and my, Ali. Well, my brother, yeah. for that matter. So there you go. That's so awesome. So happy birthday, champ. So there you go. Um, that was very, very cool when you I, when you can confirm it with these. Go right to the source. So there you go. The day he passed was a very emotional day. For the day Ali passed? Yeah. That was, I remember that day. That was, uh. The day he passed or the day they did the, cer- the ceremony? Both. Well, the day they did the ceremony was unbelievable. That was. I, I imagine, I, you know, there's part of me that wishes I could have seen around the country because I know the c- whole country was covered it, you know, with, with obviously great interest. But around here, wow, it was uh, it was really powerful. The whole thing was on. I remember sitting right here watching it on that television yep. right there. It was uh, seeing the motorcade. Yeah, it was a big deal. I never go by his house. You ever go by his house? Have you I, I haven't. I haven't. As long as I've lived here. It makes me laugh because, I mean, that obviously was his house. We know that. But I was watching a show the other day, and uh, it made me laugh that they had the actor Michael Caine on, who's a legendary actor. Oh, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And they and when you're that legendary, they call them the blue the blue discs. That's what they call them in England. They will put blue discs if your business or house can get confirmed that Nick Valvano once. You know, eight here or whatever. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they take a picture of this building and it says Michael Caine once ate, and I guess some of them are quasi tongue in cheek, but once ate, you know, beef goulash here. And and they asked him, So, Michael, do you remember the beef goulash? He says, No, don't I remember the beef goulash? I've never set foot in that restaurant in my life. <laughs> Everything that guy just said is... That's about what it was like. It was cracked me up when I saw that. So, anyway. All right, we got to go. Thanks. I'm sorry you guys put together that thing. And we no, that's okay. It. We can use it tomorrow. So. Um, but, Safe travels. Yeah. You know what? I'll be talk, talk, talking to you by phone. We could do it over the phone. Maybe. Or you could do it. Who's doing the show with you tomorrow? Do you know? Uh, donut yet. Donut? Are you going to do donuts? donuts? Yeah. You doing donuts? I can do donuts. I can go for a donut. No, you can't. Try and eat healthy, but man, I could really. You know what? He's convinced me. I think this is going to be my next thing I do. Johnny Sales has lost an incredible amount of weight and told me Eric Crawford lost like 70 pounds. And all they've done, all I don't want to make it sound like it's simple, but I mean, easy. It's not easy, but it's simple. They did the keto diet, and he has 24 grams of carbs a day. That's it. No more than that. And the rest of it just takes care of itself. And now he's doing some regular exercising, obviously. But I think that may be the the simplest way to go. Why not? Yeah. So hopefully you'll see less of me soon. It's ESPN Radio. Safe travels, Dad. Taking care of your family isn't always easy. So we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. 
replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. 